Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. I'm always so excited to interview my next guest, who comes on every other month, and she's amazing. Her name is Paula Marshall, and she is the CEO of Bama Companies, which is an international innovator of bakery products. She's the author of five books, including Sweetest Pie, Tough as Nails, Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of big business, which she really has, and the executive entrepreneur. And the Bama Pies Company's story began in 1927 in the kitchen of Cornelia, Alabama, Bama Marshall, Paula's grandmother. And so we're talking today about big business, about success, about one of their major clients is McDonald's and how they've been successful, and what are the principles we can learn, use in our life, even if we're not in big business, to find our own soul, S-O-U-L. Welcome, Paula. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, it's fun to be here. All right, so I want to go over these with you. I thought they were interesting. I found an article on the 10 tips for business success in 2019, and this is from Texas McCombs, and I just want to tell you what uh, what they said. The first one is right out of right out of the playbook of Paula Marshall. So the first one <laughs> is, is is bring your values to work. I mean, yes, that's that, that is new, number one. Number one, creating a work environment that aligns with your values that can be challenging. Although you cannot change your coworkers' views, outlining specific value-based goals can help you integrate your beliefs into your job, says a professor of psychology and marketing. So, what do you think? Well, I believe that this change is being brought about by, I want to say, the, the millennials and the new generation of, you know, our children who graduated from college and want to be able to um, have balance in their life and they don't want to work all the time and they're not, they're really not going to. So what, what we've, uh, you know, what we've learned from, from these guys is, you know, was it really the right thing to do? It, we're to having trouble so hearing pressure? you, Paula. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, there you are. You're much better. So you said what we learned. Is that better now? Yeah, much better. Yeah, what, we, what, what we've learned is that, you know, uh, did we really need to put all this pressure on people to uh, work all these hours and have, you know, have no, no family life, no, no uh, balance in their life? And it really wasn't the right thing to do. It was really the wrong thing because through all of this, um, you know, working a lot, the stress of the workplace, not having enough fun, not having, you know, a value-based, uh, you know, look at what people are really right. interested in doing right. or what, what they love to do and that type right. of thing, uh, you really cause people to have a lot more health issues, yeah. a lot more of the problems that we see in, um, you know, the hospitals and people having heart attacks, obesity, yeah. all these types of things are literally generated from stress and from fear and from not being, you know, being 
feeling like you can meet the needs of all the uh, of what your employer well, wants. Yeah. So yeah. I think what we're going to find is by backing off of some of the stress and pressure that was put on people, we're going to find them much more productive, even though they work a lot less hours. Well, but I think, as you said, you know, bringing your values to work in our generation or our parents' generation, people got a job because they needed to make a living. And whether they liked it or not, they did it. Where today, things have changed more. So although we do have to make money, we know that younger people many times have watched their parents and grandparents not have a a real fulfilling, balanced life. And they're saying the money isn't right. as important. It's important, but I'd rather go with something that I really care about and that I believe in. Right? Right. That's right. And if you can do that and allow people to have that feeling and have that passion, um, you know, like at Bama, what we try to do is offer a lot of volunteer programs. We offer a lot of counseling. But, you know, people have basic needs that have to be met, but... There's a whole other part of their life that, you know, we need to engage them in volunteering and making them feel good about coming to work every day and that on Friday afternoon they can take off and go help the homeless shelter or, you know, go volunteer for to build a house for Habitat for, for Humanity. And when you allow people to do that, they are so much happier with the work week that it, it causes them to be a lot less... Right which ultimately helps them have a healthier lifestyle. Right. And the second one is part of this, too. The second one is make room for downtime. Embracing downtime in the workday can improve efficiency, according to research from Assistant Professor of Management, Andrew Brodsky. His research found when employees are given the opportunity for leisure time, they worked faster while maintaining work quality. What do you think, Paula? Well, there again, I think it speaks to, you know, people need to have time to recharge, to, to, to sleep, you know, to uh, eat properly. Uh, we have a, a whole system in our uh, team member cafeterias where we provide salads and, and uh, uh, you know, fresh vegetables and things like that where people can have a, a nutritious lunch, you know, so yeah. it doesn't. You know, what's in vending machines doesn't have to be horrible food. It's just part of the value system that Bama has is helping the whole person and helping all around that. So, you know, we look at everything. We look at the personal side. We look at nutrition. We look at exercise and the eating habits and all kinds of things. And we partner with our team members so that they can, you know, uh, learn these things that, that, that will help them. So it's all about, you know, um, taking the time, and that's the the recharging that I believe that that the article is talking about. And it could be recharging through a class. It could be recharging by talking to someone about a problem. It could be recharging by taking a personal day off and doing something with your family. So, you know, that's the kind of thing that we encourage. Yeah, absolutely. And then the third one, which is, I think, all part of this, is learn to say thank you. A little gratitude goes a long way. And research shows that a simple letter of thanks has a larger impact on the recipient than senders typically expect. What do you think? Well, you know, um, my mentor is a guy named W.S. Deming, and he, he talked about helping people find joy in work and, uh, you know, talking to them about their work 
And it, that's really, to me, that's what that means. It's, it's about taking the time to understand what someone's doing, mm-hmm. to thank them, to spend time with them, to pay attention to what they're trying to accomplish and to give them, give them some recognition. And, and people feel really good when they get true, honest recognition, Patricia, not yep. something that's No question. Up, you know? Yeah, no question. It's really important. Pardon? All right. Here's another one. This is yes. a little tricky. This one says, number four. Now, remember what these are, folks. These are uh, 10 tips for business success in 2019. So this number four is consider your political stances. It can be difficult to be the lone liberal or the lone conservative in your workplace, especially if you're new to the office. Research has been showing that being a political misfit might even affect your decision to stay in a job. So I think what they're saying is either find a place that's more like you or just be able to live with a different political stance than yours. That, I guess that's what that's saying. What do you think? It's a tricky one. Yeah, it's tricky. It's, uh, you know, a lot of um, what we do is talk about, um, you know, non-controversial. That is part of our diversity programs and part of who Mm -hmm. we are. I mean, I have people from all walks of life, all religions, all, uh, you know, forms and, and sizes. And, I mean, it's important. We teach this through our diversity and inclusion classes. Yes. Yeah. That, you know, no one, you don't want to single out anyone. I mean, just because, you know, they have, you know, maybe they have an obesity problem. Maybe it's not just their political views, but, you know, maybe they're the only one in the group that, you know, has to fight, you know, a weight situation. So, you know, you don't want to make fun of them. You don't want to cause them to feel, you know, different or excluded. Um, so we, we do a lot of training around that, Patricia, because it, it is important to recognize when you're, you know, um, causing a problem for someone else, some of us don't even know that when we're talking mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. We're, we're doing an exclusivity club kind of environment. And yep. so the training is really, really important to make mm-hmm. sure that we none of us exclude anybody. Absolutely. All right. Number five, there's 10. So before we go to break, we're just going to do this one. Number five, hire women for the C-suite. And again, some research has shown that in comparison with men, women bring an average of almost 10% additional distinct skills to the boards of directors. Well, as a woman, I'm sure you're in favor of that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, and again, I don't, I don't like to talk about exclusion. I like to talk about the best candidate for the job. And right. But what I feel like is that in order for women to advance to the C-suite, number one, they have to have a passion around it. Number two, they have to have some sort of balance also. So they either, what I find a lot of these uh, career women and C-suite women don't have families and don't have kids, or if they have families and they have kids, they have a husband who stays home and is, is the caretaker of the family. So it's kind of flip-flopped. But yep. I do know that one of the things I encourage women to do is find their passion, write their mission statement, make sure this is what you want to do because you're going to give up a lot of balance trying to get to the C-suite. That's a problem that men don't have. 
because yeah. it's expected that we're all going to support them, you know, on their rise to the top. It's a mm-hmm. little bit more difficult for a woman to have that same kind of support from a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hopefully that's changing, Paula. <clears throat> yeah, hopefully that's changing. I hope, it, I hope it is, but I still see a lot of women giving up before they even get to the C-suite. So mm. they, they leave at a assistant director, assistant vice president. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, they, they just yeah. they exit to go home to either take care of kids or the husband's taking a job somewhere else and they move away. And so the woman's career is often secondary, you know, to the man's career. Yeah. And and again, I think uh, that will change over years, but it's <laughs> it's coming. I mean, I think we've progressed from where we were before. You know, we have more women in the well, C-suite would, than we had before. I would share with you an organization that measures women's advancement, and it's called Catalyst. And you can Google that. It's called Catalyst.com, and you can go to the okay. website. And you can see how much advancement there's really been. And it's kind of shocking, you know. We're not making that much progress in the boardroom. We're not making that much progress in the C-suites. And they detail out in their catalyst report at the end of every year why that is. So it's a good read. It's a good organization to to follow to be able to monitor what's going on in, in women's advancement. Okay, good. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're talking to Paula A. Marshall, CEO of Bama Companies, an international innovator of breakthrough products and author of five books, including Finding the Soul, S-O-U-L, of Big Business. We'll be back with Paula, and we're going to talk about the other five tips for business success in 2019. Stay tuned, folks. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like? Why do they behave the way they do? If behavior issues get out of hand, how do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio on Voice America Variety. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. Everyone and we are back. We had a little technical difficulty, but we are now back uh, through the top of the hour, and we are with Paula Marshall, CEO of Bama Companies. And again, she is the CEO, and this is an international innovator of bakery products, and the author of five books. And they also make all of the fast food desserts and apple pies for McDonald's and Walmart and many other fast food chains. Welcome back, Paula. Okay. Thank all you. right. So the ten. 10- Tips for business success in 2019. There were research tips from Texas McCombs, and we did five. And the sixth one is understanding the investor relations officer. And they say consider hiring an investor relations officer because it can bring you less stock volatility and lower capital costs. What do you think? Well, yes, that's a public company, and that would be a decision that. I think the shareholders would um, probably love, um, and I think this it would it takes some of the pressure off the CEO and the chairman of the board um, because you know the stock market is is volatile. It does drive a lot of strange behavior in business. Um, my company's private. We will never be a public company because of that that reason. I mean, the a lot of times uh, investor expectations are different from what the business performance can be. And so when you put those expectations on companies, sometimes it causes the CEO and the management to do, you know, things that aren't necessarily good for the business in the long haul. Mm -hmm. So having someone who can tell your story to Wall Street is a very good thing. Mm -hmm. All right. Good point. All right. Number seven, reconsider performance-based promotions. Promoting employees based on their performance seems like a no-brainer, but research is finding that, uh, that a business will suffer in the long run when an employee lands a position that they are not equipped to hold. So performance-based yes, we, promotions. We, we follow the, the Deming philosophy. So we're always looking at our system. We're looking at, uh, you know, people who are performing outside of normal bands in, in terms of, uh, you know, doing extra work or uh, learning skills like Six Sigma and, and um, how, you know, problem solving and that type of thing that we're, how we like it done, uh, which is not a performance by them individually, but how do they impact the system? And so for us, we 
look at those people who have the potential of impacting the system as the ones with the most skills and the most training and, and, and most often would have like a black belt in Six Sigma or some quality enhancement tool that would yeah. allow them to come into the job, you know, and do it and perform it well. So mm. I think if you do have a company that, that tries to like pick the top performers, it's very difficult because some years someone could be just in a position that they can do really well and then they get promoted and sometimes you hear this thing called the Peter Principle and people are getting promoted and then all of a sudden they can't do the next level job. Mm. Um, I, I just believe that people need the training, the skills, and the time to be able to stay in a role long enough to be able to impact the system rather than trying to be the teacher's pet and that type of thing. I agree. What do you think about people who are more team players? Do you think they have more chance for success or do you think it depends upon what position they're in? Well, I, you know, we, of course, uh, advocate strongly for, um, you know, working in harmony, um, creating a harmonious work environment. So we're always looking for people who have this, you know, we follow the, uh, Stephen Covey and some of these uh, seven habits of highly effective people. And we constantly train on those habits. We constantly train on those habits. So when people are in, in environments, um, they, can, they can bring the skills to the workplace. And, it, and, and it's, a, it's a constant, continuous training I don't believe you can take people and throw them into something and not provide them training, not provide them support, not provide them mentorship. I mean, everyone who moves into a position at this company that we um, all agree that we're going to be visible, we're going to meet with them often, we're going to make sure that they feel comfortable in their role. Um, there's a lot of support that goes on for people who get promoted. And in a lot of companies that I've been around and I've spoken to and different people that I've spoken to, that's not the case. Um, typically, uh, people get thrown into things and it's kind of like a sink or swim type deal. Yeah. And yes. uh, that's really, really bad for the company culture. And then when they have a performance issue, they fire, they fire them, you know. And so it's like, wow, they got put into this job. They got no support. They didn't know what mm-hmm. they were doing. And then they get fired, you know. So it's kind of a bad cycle that, that yeah, you don't want to yeah, get into. It's almost like they're set up. They're set up not to succeed. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. what needs to accompany that is lots of training, lots of, uh, you know, that, like we were talking early, earlier, value-based training programs that teach people how to conduct themselves so that they don't get themselves into trouble and, and do something that is going to really affect the people around them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number eight of the 10 uh, tips for success, business success in 2019, is practice your creative timing. Knowing when to brainstorm is key for creative teams, as says one of the marketing lecturers, since deciding when to hone in on a specific idea improves the innovation process. So knowing when, it, knowing your timing, what do you think, Paula? Um... I don't, I don't, I don't know how that got onto the list, uh, to be yeah. honest. But I guess it's like um, if you're a student of the business and you're studying the business cycles, then you kind of know 
when the business is in a cycle and when to, you know, jump on an opportunity. But, um, you know, every business has cycles that it goes through. And some, some, sometimes there's just downturns and it's not a necessarily a fault of a person. It's a market condition or something that, you know, that happened. Um, so that's, that's really what strategic planning sessions are for. That's what yes. having a strategy is for. And, the most, more people you can get involved in your strategy, the better, the better off you are. Okay. Number nine, and this is something we've talked about on other shows, and I know at Bama you work with this, artificial intelligence. It says, get comfortable with artificial intelligence, which will change the way people think. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It will create jobs, improve workplace safety, and benefit the healthcare field. Your comments. Well, I'm, I sit on the board of an insurance company uh, also that's a privately held insurance company, and they're deploying a lot of AI right now. And I think, you know, in, in the beginning stages of it, it is being used to remove jobs that it, what, we're, what we're seeing is these kind of rote jobs that people don't want. Like, let's say in a call center, you pick up the call, You know, now, instead of a person picking up the call, a robot picks up the call and Mm. deals with the first, you know, 15 or 20 minutes worth of questions that a person on the other end has. So I can see why people who are kind of coming in at the bottom of the totem pole are nervous about AI because, in the most part, it's eliminating those rote jobs. But Mm -hmm. I think eventually... um, you know, there's so many areas where we do so many things manually and people have variation in the work that they do and what they're, what they're doing. And it, it really will help with reduction of mistakes. I mean, we're dealing with it now with banks whenever we call in and American Express wants you type your credit card in and then yes. you're dealing with a robot, you know, until some, you hit something that's special and then they call somebody. Right. So I think on the, for the most part, it's a good thing. Um, I think people, what I would advise is that people continue to learn and get skills and gain knowledge, and then you have the knowledge and you can't be replaced by a robot. Right. But now in your company, Bama, where you, where, you, know, you make the apple pies and the desserts, people used to do that on the assembly line. Now you have robots doing that. What does that do to the people on the line who did those things before and had been with your company for a long time? Well, we offered everyone that was here the opportunity to learn the robot job. So we did have to um, change a few people's shifts and things like that when we when we onboarded them. But for the most part, these were jobs that people would come in and do for a few days and then say, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, because you stand there for eight hours or ten hours or whatever. That's not, and do not the same easy. Thing. People don't want to do that. It's cold. It's their feet hurt. Their hands get cold. And so you don't have the people anymore. Like I've got 40-year team members and 35-year team members that have been doing that same packing job mm. for 30 years. And mm. they don't want to move up and they like doing it. And they're like, just leave us alone. This is where we want to be and this is where we want to stay. So as more robots come on, they will be displaced. And I have gone to meeting after meeting and team member orientations and all kinds of stuff and say to people, please take advantage of the Bama College. Please take advantage advantage of the Bama Education uh, reimbursement programs. 
because, you know, you want to be able to do the higher level skilled jobs around here. And that's where the money is and that's where the shortage of workers is. So we need them to stay up with the skill level and not get lazy and not just say, I don't want to do anything else. I just want to do this because they will get displaced eventually. Yeah. Well, I, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. And the problem is that there are a lot of workers. I know when I do communications training and I'll work with people who've been on the floor before and they've been there for 25 years and they don't, as you said, and then the plant closes down and they feel lost, Paula. They don't know what they're going to do. They don't have any skills. Yep. No skills. So the best job you're going to get is going into a restaurant or washing dishes or serving a customer in a restaurant or making a hamburger. I mean, all these jobs that people say they don't want. But if you don't get the skills and you don't get the training, you don't keep educating yourself, that's what you're putting yourself into is, you know, a more lower-end fast food, which most people say they don't want to do. So I always say to people, look, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't work and do the same thing for 25 years and not get educated, not add to your skills, not make yourself more valuable by moving up and moving around to different jobs. Because we have job bidding. Every single day a job bid goes up on one of our boards. People can apply for it. Yeah, which and is great from the inside. But, you know, another another one, point one I want to bring it. up, Paula, is isn't it hard on the body when you're doing that repetitive motion all the time? Oh, yes, yes. In fact, the, the we have a uh, contractor on staff that uh, does nothing but see people all day long with, with different, you know, joint wow. problems, with different back problems, with different, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, hand issues, uh, people yeah. that are will go to our chiropractor and say, oh, I need to have my hand operated on, and he'll say, now let's uh, work on, you know, uh, mm-hmm. some releases mm-hmm. and things like that, and they'll, and they'll be fine. But yeah. it's that, competitive, that continuing motion, the mm-hmm. same motion day in and day out, you know. You see it in athletes, you see it in people. I mean, they, mm. their bodies just get broken down, so yeah. it will happen. I just, um, I was just... Uh, it, actually interviewing someone who worked for a big um, uh, transportation company that delivered packages. I won't say the name of it. It's a big one. And he has Mm -hmm. such spasm in his back from lifting 100-pound packages for years, just throwing Mm -hmm. them over his shoulder. And, you know, it caught up with his body. Yes. Day in and day out, you cannot do that. So you either have to stretch, you have to do some, you know, uh, oppositional movements. Um, our chiropractor teaches people how to stretch or do oppositional movements to strengthen right. the other side of their body. I mean, you see these tennis players, Patricia, who have like their, their right arm, if they're right-handed, there's giant, you know, and their left arm, just little, you know, yeah. regular arm. And those people tend to have more shoulder problems, more hand problems, more problems on that side of their body, so the right side. So, you know, our body makes, uh, makes changes for us, you know, as we, if we get too deep into things. And so that becomes an issue for the body. So it just, it will just change, you know, to, and adapt to whatever it needs to. So that's, that's another reason that artificial intelligence is, is a positive thing. It preserves people's yes. bodies. Yes. And running a robot, I hate to say it, but it's much easier 
on the body, but you need your brain, you know. You need to understand how to work with that complicated software. You need to be able to take the robot arm apart and put it back together, so you need some mechanical training. And so, you know, we provide all that for our operators. And But the job... The, you know, doing that job starts at a $20 hour pay, pay rate, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. going back and picking up pies, you know, is a $13 pay rate. So it's very different. If you can jump yourself up to that skill level and do that job, it's worth it. You know, it's worth it in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. And as you said, getting the education, and Bama offers that to people. <clears throat> you know, you offer the training oh, and the education goodness. for we advancement. Offer the classes, the training, the free education, reimbursement. Absolutely no reason not to be educated. Right. All right. And no number reason. 10 is for everyone, whether you're, I don't care whether you're working for a company or you're wherever. Number 10, buy less stuff. To combat the billions of pounds of consumer waste going into the U.S. landfills each year, business, government, and society, Professor Julie Irwin, has one line of advice. Buy less. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, I like that one. Well, I tell you, when when, um, the malls in America are going broke and Amazon is becoming a $3 trillion company, you know, it just goes to show you that... Shopping is an addiction um, that we have, but where we used to go get in our cars and just mill around the shopping malls, we just mill around on Amazon now, and everything yeah. comes straight to our but door. But we're still, but we're we still can, buying, though, Paula. That's not solving the oh, problem. That's the, yeah, my point is that it's an addiction, you know? Yeah. The buying yeah. and the shopping and all of that is an addiction, and mm. it's a sad thing because, you know, you've got... People, I mean, I'm a, I'm the worst one. I I look at you know QVC and I'll pass by there and they're selling some piece of jewelry and I'll think, oh my goodness, let me look at that and I'll think, look at my jewelry case. You know, it's got fifty pieces of jewelry in it. You know, it doesn't. I don't need any more jewelry. So mm. it's one of those things where it's hard to stop yourself, but you just have to like find another thing to keep you busy like take up writing take up poetry take up drawing take up painting you know just don't constantly click the amazon one click button yeah love it such great advice all right i'm going to switch over to something else that i think is interesting because you have worked with mcdonald's providing them uh the the desserts for many many years and you've stayed with them which i think is such an achievement so i found an article on the reasons why mcdonald's is so successful and i'm going to read you just one paragraph because it's very long but i thought this was excellent it says to the average consumer they see the brand of mcdonald's The franchiser, however, sees a system. Most business owners are just like the average consumer, believing wrongly that McDonald's success is about brand. The foundation to McDonald's success has been its system, which has allowed it to grow and mature, where today McDonald's has diversified into premium salads and yogurt parfaits for more health-conscious consumers, as well as premium coffees to compete with Starbucks. But it all started with a better business system as its foundation. Talk about that. 
Well, I think what uh, Ray Kroc founded the company on was a concept and a philosophy called three legs of the stool. So the three-legged stool, he talked about a lot. And that's really the system. The system is made up of, he used to say, the franchisees, the suppliers, and the company people. And he, that's how he put them in that order. So he always put the franchisees first. And what what becoming a franchisee of McDonald's means is that you get the manuals that teach you how to run a great restaurant. You get the suppliers that bring you the supplies without quality issues, without affecting your brand, with mm-hmm. food safety in mind, with everything that's being governed by the company, by the corporation. That's part of your guarantee of your franchise agreement. And then the the company people are there to help carry out to, you know, put more franchisers in, to sell stores back and forth to the company. Uh, the supply chain guys are there to make sure that we're all doing what we're doing. And the management of the company is there to sell the stock to Wall Street and to also help the owner-operators come up with, you know, new and better ways of doing things. So in, in the nutshell, that is the system. It's not necessarily about the brand, but one part of the system uh, of, of McDonald's is the marketing and the market research and the insights that's provided to the owner-operators yeah. to help them run a better business so that they don't have to pay for all that advertising and marketing and all that stuff. Right. Um, they do, you know, have local local advertising agencies that are also part of the system, but they rely on the company to... Uh, you know, give them what they're paying their franchise fees for, which is great product, great service, great right. great marketing, great branding. But it is the but, job of the owner-operator to bring the customers in. That is their job. Right. But I also think, I mean, and tell me if I'm right here, I think another factor is that McDonald's has been a leader in staying ahead of the curve in terms of consumer needs. They were one of the first with the health food, you know, with more healthy choices. Am I right? Yes. Yes, they they um, have stayed in the forefront. I will say there's some chains, smaller chains, regional chains, that are staying a little bit ahead of them right now. Um, you know, Chick-fil-A comes to mind and that kind of thing. And Chick-fil-A's business model and their franchise system is very different than McDonald's. So I can tell you that a lot of my McDonald's counterparts and guys up in corporate are looking at the Chick-fil-A model to see what they can do to more more closely emulate that. And it really has to do with becoming more of a values-based company. And that means, you know, we're not going to maybe always run seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Maybe we're going to, you know, let our people off on weekends and holidays and things like that. So, that's more the Chick-fil-A model um, that McDonald's is looking into is this more of a value-based uh, franchise model. But also, it, but going back to the food choices that the consumer sees, you know, if I was going to a fast food restaurant, I would try to find the one that would have the salads, right, and the yogurt and the, the, the fresh greens. I mean, that's important to me, but I think more and more people want that now. Well, yes, I think that there's... Um, a lot of truth to that and every you know every day McDonald's is doing consumer research trying to understand what the consumers are looking for and one of the reasons they've stumbled a little bit the last four or five years is they have not had a very strong value platform and consumers are looking for value they are looking for value in their food 
And so um, it's a constant battle between the, the franchisees and the corporation. The corporation in charge of doing the marketing and the research telling the franchisees, we have to have a value proposition on our menu. And the franchisees are saying, look, we're having to pay people a lot more to work here. We have a lot higher taxes. We have a lot more CapEx investment that you guys are expecting. And so it's a constant uh, give and take, yin and yang, if you will, of the company and the franchisees trying to work out the best pathway to get to the end consumer. Yeah, interesting. So what you're saying is the franchisee doesn't always follow what corporate's saying, although they should. Well, it's a yin and yang, Patricia. It's like once they commit to a program, they have to really they really follow it. Right. But it's a lot of dialogue and a lot of going back and forth and a lot of fighting and arguing, quite frankly, um, about what's best for the company and then what's best for the franchisee. And those two different sets of what's best don't always mix. And so what we see a lot in in what's going on in, in McDonald's is a lot of dialogue and debate and going back and forth on different programs trying to find that ultimate value um, button that the consumer sees a value and then McDonald's sees a value and that the franchisees can accept the value and realize that it's driving traffic and not look at it as a a problem for them, you know. So, well, I'm not making money on my drinks at a dollar, you know. Well, they are, but they're losing in other places, so they want to take the, you know, something like a dollar drink away. Well, that's driving Mm -hmm. a lot of traffic. So mm-hmm. they're having a lot of conversations about stuff like that right now, which is, you know, which is healthy and great. I think so. So important. Paula, what do you see for the future, like in the next five or ten years? How do you think things will change? I mean, do you see more fast food restaurants offering more healthy foods? Do you see uh, less fast food chains? What, what do you see? Well, I'll tell you right now, the landscape is so, it's so murky. Um, There's some trends that are starting to emerge. Um, I think one that's going to be a huge, it's already growing at double digits, and that is the delivery of food to the home. Yes. And that is, how do we get fresh vegetables? How do we get salads? How do we get things like that brought to the, brought to the home? You know, because it's just, more and more uh, eating, I get home, I don't want to leave, I don't want to deal right. with my kids screaming, I don't want to deal with my friends anywhere else other than the house because we're watching a game or whatever's going on. And it's going to become a lot more important to be able to be able to transport the food and do it in a safe manner, in a safe environment. And, and I think ultimately these companies, there will be a fallout in, in some of the companies, so from stuff grub stuff to, you know, um, to dine, you know, the, the, um, the delivery, all the delivery dining companies that are out there now, uh, it's, it's just going to, there's going to be some fall out there. And then with Amazon buying Whole Foods, everyone believes that Amazon's going to be a dominant player in, mm-hmm. in retail grocery distribution and delivery of groceries to the home. So what will that do to the Walmarts of the world? What will that do to the big box stores? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be a very difficult time for those guys to, in my mind, to be able to attract consumers when they can call, you know, when they can click on, you know, uh, 
any kind of place, any kind of website, any kind of anything, and get a washer and dryer or a new dishwasher or whatever delivered to their door the next day. I mean, it's it's just a really uh, it's all about convenience. It's all about price. Yeah, it's all I, about quality. I, I still think, though, Paula, there will be a fast food market because there'll be people that don't want people coming to their homes that would rather just pull up at the window and get the food and take it home. I think what will happen, yeah. in my opinion, it'll have to be healthier. There'll have to be more of the even organic things that are starting to be offered in fast food places so you can just stop home, grab it, and eat it. That's what I, I don't mm-hmm. think everybody's going to want you to come to their home. I mean, some will, but yeah. I, I think there'll still be a place for the fast food restaurant. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, the number one, you know, most delivered uh, food product right now is pizza. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. it's the number mm-hmm. one product in the in the country, in the world, actually, that's, you know, that's pretty much considered, you're going to bring it to my home. Well, now they're starting to be able to order Big Macs and fries and different things that that are being offered. Taco Bell is now offering a, a delivery service. Uh, KFC has a delivery service. Oh, so, wow. You know, they're all, they're all doing it. Popeyes, churches, I mean, they're all doing it. It's just a question of, you know, it, it, is that wave going to take out some of the people that are doing it mm. now? And does that create an opportunity for Amazon to get even bigger um, because they have, you know, they have the ability to contract across the country with different delivery uh, yeah, companies? Interesting. So, so, so Paula, a, it, a, a so let me market, ask you, I like, think is going to be dominated so, by them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so having said all of that. Um, We've got a couple minutes left. What's your advice for the consumer? You know, knowing that, you know, we're in fast times, people don't, a, a lot of them don't want to cook, we want delivery. What, what do you say to the consumer about, you know, things they can do to make it easier for themselves? Well, I mean, I think that the consumer is at the heart of driving all this change. So I think it's because the consumer... Uh, isn't going out to eat. I mean, we started seeing these trends five years ago where there was a crossover in eating out and staying home. And finally, the crossover came. Eating ho- eating at home went up uh, a few times in five, five years ago, and eating out went down. So about four years ago, we started seeing the lines crossed, and now, consistently over the last two to three years, it's been more people eating at home. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, what's going to happen is a, there has to be a lot of these, the real estate has to be dealt with. So, either the companies have to figure out what to do with all these locations, how to downsize them, how to turn them into something else. I mean, you know, there's just tremendous amount of real estate that's going to have to turn over mm. because there's just not as many people going out to eat. So, I think it will stabilize, Patricia, because I think at the end of the day, we have to have community. We love community and we want community and we want to see each other and be with each other. Yes. Now, we can do that at our home. We can do that at our houses um, and we can invite friends over and it's a lot more easygoing um, because you don't have to worry about waiting and the large crowds and the bad service and the food doesn't taste as good or whatever. But I think there will be a balance, but I think in the middle there's going to be a lot of transformation of a lot of the of lot of the real estate of what's going to happen with it. Yeah, so interesting, interesting, Paula. How can people find you if they want to learn more about you or learn about Bama? 
What would you suggest? Oh, they can just Google me. They can Facebook me. They can, um, you know, I'm on Facebook pretty active. Uh, they can uh, message me through Facebook. Um, just a lot of ways to, um, you know, to contact me. And I'd uh, be happy to, happy to help anybody that had a question. Okay, so it's Paula A. Marshall, and they can Facebook yes. you, or they can go to Bama Companies also on Facebook. Yes? Yes, we have a, a very good Bama Companies page as well, and uh, you can just get in there and surf around and look at all the stuff we're doing. We're pretty proud of it. Paula, thanks so much. It's always so great to talk to you. It really is. Thanks I learned so you, much, honey. too. I appreciate it. Okay, stay on the line for a second. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay happy, get the support you need, and know you can make your dreams come true. Uh, Find me on Facebook, Patricia Raskin Raskin Resources, or write to me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com, and I'll put you on my newsletter list, and you can learn about all the great guests like Paula who comes on the program. All right, folks, until next time, have a great week. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.